listening to the DSW Podcast with James Ledger. Christ, so welcome back to the Disability Sport Wales Podcast with me, your host, James Ledger. At Disability Sport Wales, we are celebrating Disability History Month from November the 16th to December the 16th. This episode, we're going to be talking about incredibly fast-growing sports in Wales. I'm really happy to be joined by two Welsh internationals who have just played in the World Cups. And I'm really excited to hear all about their journey, all about their careers thus far, and where they see the sports growing. And them two sports are wheelchair rugby league and physical disability rugby league as well. So my two guests today are Chris Young, and Stu Williams. How are you both doing? You okay? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you so much for joining us both. It's uh, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having us. Um, if I start with, let's start with you, Stu. Can you tell us a little bit, little bit about yourself? Where, how do you get involved in in rugby league? Where are you from? Have you always been sporty? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. As you know, my name's Stuart Williams. Uh, I'm the uh, cap- current, well, current captain of uh, Wales Wheelchair Rugby League. Um, I've always been quite sporty. Um, I grew up playing a lot of basketball um, and got into running rugby at um, secondary school. And then um, just going into um, running rugby um, uh, when I was at school. And then when I um, was doing a wheelchair challenge where I was going from uh, John O'Groats to Land's End, uh, self-propelling myself in a chair. And prior to that, I was getting involved with other disability sports and getting to uh, realise what else was out there. Uh, something I had been involved in as a sports coach in the past um, was disability sports. And I got introduced to uh, wheelchair rugby league and I was just absolutely hooked after that. That's fantastic. And Chris, how about yourself? Um, yeah, so luckily I'm from Leeds. So my the first ever PDRL t- two teams, the fixture was between Leeds Rhinos and Warrington Wolves. So that was only about five years ago. So to see how much it's grown in the last five years is just ridiculous. Um, probably more than anyone imagined. So yeah, going from that first training session at in Leeds, and I, I had to be. I played, I played mainstream rugby union like quite a lot of my, quite a lot of my life. So, um, I had to be convinced by my friend who works for the RFL, and he said, "Oh, it's just a great opportunity. Just go tr- give it a try." So I went, and I'm so glad I did. Like uh, one of my teammates down at Leeds, he's still one of my teammates. He, um, the first day, if. He put this big, big shot on me, and I thought, "All right, and he's up for this." Then, so, so ever since that, we've both been trying to one up each other for the last five years. So, so yeah, that's how it all started for me. And then, um, Fish Craig Fisher gave me a call for about representing Wales, and I absolutely snapped his hand off because um, I'm I'm eligible through heritage. So my grandparents moved up from like the Ronda area, and then the Ronda Valleys, and then moved up to Leeds. Uh, my granddad was a miner, so that's great. Proper, proper valleys, Ron. Though I like it. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> Stuart, um, you know, yeah. I, I, I've read a bit about you, and uh, you're a bit of a, 
winger, attacker, try scorer, captain. Um, tell us, tell us how it is to to captain Wales, and tell us a little bit about wheelchair rugby league. Let's talk about the game itself. How, how is it adapted? Uh, yeah. So, um, well, basically about wheelchair rugby league, it's it is essentially stripped back to it is just rugby league in a wheelchair. Um, there is uh, a few changes, like obviously if a knock-on happens, we don't start with a restart of a scrum uh, because there's only five on the pitch. And also it'd just be just too messy uh, to, to do it. And as as the scrum's not really fully like engaged or anything, there's no real need for it. So we just do a simple tap restart uh, on the control restart situation. Um, tackles happen uh, simply by ripping the tag. Uh, you'll see that there's two tags on either shoulder. Um, players either try and rip one of them off, or if if they happen to hit somebody hard enough and knock them over, that's classified as a tackle as well. Um, to replay the ball, like in the running game, you have to, well, obviously in the running game, you have to stand back up and be stationary and like on two feet to then play the ball back. Well, we have to make sure that our tags are securely back on and then we can play the ball. And depending on your disability, you can play the ball off the floor uh, it, uh, or you have to if you if you can reach the floor. If you can't because of say a spinal column injury or reach condition, you you play it off the wheel and then you pass it backwards. That's great. And talk a little bit about the conversion because no, the BBC have been fantastic this year and <laughs> kind of showcasing the sport and it, it was uh, it's amazing to watch. So talk a little bit about how how a conversion's done in in wheelchair rugby league. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, a lot of people ask me this question uh, when they say, well, how do, how do you do a conversion? You know, you, you talk about how you do a try and, you know, some people still trying to get their head around how a try actually happens. But obviously a try is just essentially when somebody grounds the ball over the, 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 the try area. But obviously if you can't reach the ground, you, you have to tap your wheel. You have to be over the, the, the try area with one of your wheels, I believe. And then it's just a simple tap on the side of it. Um, with a conversion, uh, we use um, what would be a traditional rugby kicking tee, um, but mounted on uh, like a set of pole that can be slightly adjustable sometimes. Depends on the preference and depends how it's been made. Um, they're customized made if you like there's no sort of manufacturer that makes these as such it's usually made by individual teams and the, you know the, the, their staff um, or players they make their own and basically you just have it on a, an adjustable on most of them and then it's just a simple closed fist and a punt straight over just like you would in a straight line with a kick uh, there's no real difference. It's the only action is it's with the arm instead. That's awesome. And there was some incredible conversions being done from all sides of the pitch, wasn't it? it was some some great shots. It was I mean, awesome. that, I'd, I'd probably say the uh, success rate is probably higher actually in the kit in the in the wheelchair game for the kicking uh, from literally from the sideline is probably higher than what it is in the running game. Um, obviously, we don't have the wind and the rain to contend with, but obviously. <laughs> You know, there is a, a massive uh, massive difference from kicking from a fist, uh, you know, than getting a full leg behind it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see the stats on that, you know, compare it to yeah. Dan Bigger, maybe even Dan Carter, people like that, to see how that compares. That'd be uh, that'd be interesting. Um, yeah, massively. Chris, and like yourself, BBC were fantastic in, I watched the number of games you guys played in uh, on BBC iPlayer, which was great. 
Can you tell us a little bit about uh, physical disability rugby league and how them how them rules are kind of adapted and because it's, it's 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 quite it's quite similar but quite different at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, so um, we're similar. We don't have scrums. Um, oddly, like rugby league, it sort of got rid of the scrum for quite a while anyway during COVID, didn't it? So, um, so we've we've never had scrum. So if it's a knock on, so in our sport, there's three different categories. So you have your A, B, and C category, and it that depends on the this how many limbs are affected. Like your disability affects how many limbs. So, um, so A is sort of like one or half a limb, and then B might be one entire limb or two halves of a limb, and then a C might be more, um, it affects the movement of all of your limbs, so such as cerebral palsy or something like that. Um, so because of that, and because like to, to remain inclusive, we don't play. So if it's a knock on, it's just a tackle, mm. so it's six tackles still, and you're only allowed to kick on the fifth. So uh, on the last tackle, so that in terms of a winger where where I've played for most of my PDRL, um, it makes it a lot easier. So you don't have to drop that, drop back, and then protect. You have to be five meters, giving yourself that extra five meters in case you've got a quick winger opposite you. So that makes it a bit easier. Uh, in terms of the expansion of it, when it first started in super, like in the Super League clubs, um, we we had or some clubs have, we didn't, some clubs had AB players, so able-bodied players, uh, and they were there to sort of facilitate the game. It's similar to that. I think that works similar with mixed, mixed ability rugby union. Um, so, but I just got, it just goes to show like the amount of talented people that have come in and played. They, it's quickly got scratched. There's no AB players really anymore. There's a couple in some clubs that are just starting out who might need them to make up the numbers or, but, because we're, you know, we're wanting to expand it. We allow that. You want to allow that to happen. So, uh, in terms of international, I've got friends who have watched me from my very first game to playing for Wales just recently, and they're saying that the difference between it's just a massive learning curve, isn't it? All of it is just a massive learning curve in terms of rules. They're the two main rules: the knock-on rule and the, and the last five. Other than other than that, it's very much the same. Oh, the red shorts as well. Red shot. I forgot about them. <laughs> um, I was going to say about the so, shorts. Yeah, that was, that was yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So um, you're allowed a maximum of, I think, three on at once. If the C player, it gets very complicated. I'm not going to go into the whole scoring system, but uh, you're allowed a, a maximum of three, but you don't have to have any on any time either. Um, and they're touch rugby. So uh, they might have, they might have suffered with a brain injury. So it'd be too dangerous for them to, to play contact rugby, so they're just touch. So uh, we've got Isaac and Connor in our team and Timer as well. So in the Wales squad, they were all red shorted players. So yeah. So uh, so red shorted players are usually people who've got more se- severe d- injuries, shall we say, or conditions. Potential, have... potential. I imagine it could be life threatening injuries playing contact rugby. Right. It could be for them. And what 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 what's the what's what happens if if somebody accidentally tackles somebody with red shorts? Well, that happened quite a bit. <laughs> I like how maybe I've set this up for something I don't know. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Spriggsy, one of our lads, he got Aussie, uh, not Aussie, what a Kiwi red shorts straight away, like within oh. the first ten seconds. So he got Simbin for that. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, so Simbin's, but 
you know, it's it's understandable. It's you know, we're playing a contact sport, ideally. And so, like when it happened, it happened quite a few times. You know, England did it to us. We did it to Australia. New Zealand. New Zealand did it to us. Um, Isaac actually broke his rib getting tackled. Oh, right. he's, he's the red shorts player. So, <laughs> oh god. So, but you see, I you know it does it does happen because that happened that happened to me in the uh, in the game with England. Um, you can't you can only take if you're tackling somebody you can only take one tag. You can't take both tags off the shoulder. Yeah, I've seen that. If, if, if if a second player comes in and takes it at the exact same time, that's legal. But you as one player can't do it. Well, somehow my brain just completely just went and switched off. And I went in, tackled, uh, I think it was Nathan Collins from England, and I literally went onto both shoulders. And for some reason, my brain just went, take them. And I went, boom, pulled both of them off. <laughs> and I went, oh. And I realised straight away that I'd done something wrong. And I was just like, no, please don't notice this ref. We might get away <laughs> with it. Unfortunately, I didn't. And, uh, you know, there was a penalty against us. Luckily, yeah. I didn't get Simbin. Surprised to see uh, the England Wales games getting quite tasty. I'm not surprised. Not surprised. Yeah. That's, that's great. Chris, you mentioned a little bit there, like you've been involved for 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 a long time now in physical disability rugby. Like, how have you seen it change over the years? Um, immensely. Like, as much as you know, you don't want to big up an Australian. You've got to say thanks to like Adam Mills. He's just brought <laughs> it on. He's brought it on so much in terms of promoting it on his on his show, The Last Leg, and all that stuff on his social media platforms. So yeah, so he's been massive in in terms of uh, down at Leeds. I can't speak for every club um, because you know I'm not there. But in terms of uh, at Leeds, we are we're almost to the point where we'll be a selection process, and we might even field an A and a B side. Um, with that, we've got that many players that are just turning up. That's um, pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, and I spoke to Morgan, Ben Lewis, their captain and vice captain of Wales. I spoke to them, and the hope is that we will have a South Wales side, a PDRL side that will compete, hopefully, Touchwood in Super League. Wow. Maybe not this year, but maybe in a couple of years. It's it's, it's come a such a long way in a very short period space of time. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to see. And I guess the same question for you, Stuart. You know, you've been involved in, in quite a while now. Like, how, how have you seen it kind of grow and develop over the years? Oh, uh, well, huge. I mean, the the one thing, obviously, I mean, definitely from the, what I've seen with the PDRL is the acceleration has happened a lot, like you say, thanks to the help of, like, you know, Adam Hills, who's been playing. And obviously, that's really helped, you know, accelerate the game um the game has really developed from the wheelchair perspective in the fact that we've had started to have more television um like one of the things that was great one when they um brought in the idea or sorry when they brought in the rugby league world cup and they were saying about that everything's going to be televised it sort of was the BBC were obviously like, well we need to start televising this so they started doing iPlayer and things like that and it obviously people started seeing it and were like okay this is interesting but obviously with the the television that we had and the exposure we had at this world cup it was astronomical like the amount of things that i've seen now um like it's been a slow progress well a steady progression i should say like the sport has been since i've been around and i, I think i worked it out that i've been involved now for nine years or so 
um, the the game has developed and it's it's improved and it's getting there, and like there has been inclusions of um, Super League clubs actually starting to actually go right. We need a wheelchair setup now. We are, this is not, you know we can't just have our men's and women's or our men's women's and PDRL or maybe not even PDRL, but they've gone right. We need to have a wheelchair setup like, and that's why you've got. You know, Wigan Warriors now set one up, and, and you know it's it's developing like that, and I can see that happening more. I could actually see well, Warrington Wolves have got one, they you know, and so on. And thanks to this World Cup, I think that's going to be the next next step. Is there going to be the Super League clubs are going to actually have it um, and be you know proper just all Super League, which is not necessarily a great thing in in some ways because the, you've had the the people around for a long time like North Wales Crusaders who I've played for, who are a, you know a lower league club in the running game. Um, so to not have us around again would you know I don't feel would be right, but we you know this is where it's accelerating and hopefully there'll be more of this like TV exposure going on. Um, and I'm hopeful that the same with the PDRL more competitions will be highlighted because you know you, you're all at one venue um, and get how, how does the PDRL work you know yeah, so your competitions are you all together in, or? in league competition it is so it's sort of like a festival format you play short games you play two games in the day and then yeah. um, each club hosts their own festival and then you have the grand final yeah so that's what that's what the that's what wheelchair rugby league used to be like um yeah. Um, like back when I very first started, like one team would host another two teams, and you, you you'd have a round robin competition, and then yeah. um, so on and so forth. And now it's literally gone to home and away, which is absolutely fantastic um, and things. But obviously, from like exposure wise, it'd be great to see this continue on, um, and I think that's where it'll probably end up heading going forward. Yeah, and that's exciting. Very exciting. Oh yeah, massively, massively. Stu, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm. You know, competing for your country is, you know, it's the pinnacle of sport, isn't it? It's, it's what everyone wants to do when, when they when they grow up as a child, if, you, if you're involved in sport. And I just wanted to ask, you know, wearing the dragon on your chest, you're in the national anthem, you know, what, what does that mean to you? Well, I, I don't know if you saw our very first match against France. Um, I kind of got... A, taken a little bit away by the whole emotion um, and I was visibly crying um, and I f it was it was sheer euphoria like the whole experience the the whole realization that it was there and sitting in front of all them people um, you know in you know ready to go to battle and uh, and people trying and joining in and harmonizing with the national anthem and me there alongside all my teammates it was just an unreal motion like um and i'm not i'm not gonna lie not the best at the national anthem i try my hardest you know and i, I hopefully got 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 across with the, the the passion that i could and um like i say I, there is no real word or few words that could describe the whole that experience um, and the, the momentum of my life. Like I said, I think I said to one of the journalists when they asked us in the press conference, they said, what's it, what does it mean to you? And I said, it, it's probably the biggest thing in my life. Um, and when, 
I said, I'm not married yet and I haven't got kids. And even when they come around, it'll still probably be the biggest thing in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And and maybe that's true. I don't know. But, you know, know, but I definitely can tell you right now, it, it meant absolutely everything to me to be there, captain in the side, singing the national anthem in front of all them people at national TV and singing alongside my teammates. Goosebumps, Sue. That was, yeah, that's amazing. And uh, Chris, same question to you. Um, well, being heritage, first things first, I will say it's a hard national anthem to learn when you don't speak Welsh. <laughs> so, um, but once you get, like, um, I'm much better at Delilah, you know, from Tom Jones. I'm much better at that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Are we all? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. Some of the people I met, you know, Morgan is quite a big one. And uh, Ben, some of these are some of the most inspiring people I've ever, I've ever had the pleasure to play rugby with. And I've known them six months. I came quite late to camp. So I've known them that long. And they have been... They're just so inspiring. I absolutely, I'm, I was proud. Was proud to be on the field with them, as well as, you know, I was. My grand was there watching the first game, but she's the Welsh heritage. Um, that was a really proud moment. My wife was there. You know, like it was really good, and it was it was the most remarkable thing I've ever done. The first game, I think I got caught up like in the moment, and I didn't play probably my best rugby until we played in the second, third, fourth games. Um, so yeah, I I absolutely was overtaken by how how immense it was. You know, we had a crowd of like, I think it was around fifteen hundred on that first game, and half the crowd are singing the national anthem alongside with you, alongside you, and you're like, wow, this is exceptional. This is, um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not the best singer at it, so I'm the same as you. <laughs> I'm I'm terrible, but yeah, I'm. I think it's all about the passion, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, then they had loads of passion, did lads that, that were good at it. Stubo was particularly. I think it, it kind of sums up the kind of the Welsh philosophy of, of sport and that kind of that passion, you know. You kind of seen that at yeah. the World Cup now and the, the red wall and, you know, putting our, putting our kind of stamp on the world of being the nation full of, full of fire and, and passion, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we came third and we fully believe that in three years' time, if there is another PDRL World Cup, we will absolutely be well within our rights to win that. We fully believe that we can do that. Absolutely, no doubt. The gap to England is not that big. Exactly. I think you're completely right, to be honest. I think you had a great comeback game against the against the Kiwis. And yeah. you know what? Like you say, the gap isn't that big. I, I, I went out on, on record and said, look, the future organisers of this event, France, if you don't have the wheelchair and you certainly don't have the PDRL invented, you know, invested into the actual World Cup competition, not the, mm. I'm not talking about the Festival Cups. I mean, and that's no disrespect to that. But I think what you guys have shown in the PDRL is, is that it can be just as competitive, just as intense and, you know, should be on the same, on the same wavelength, same, on the same level. And yeah. you know, and any any future organisers, that should be their their main goal is going forward is to always keep on improving and then keep pushing that forward, that momentum of right. Who else can we? What or what other sport uh, or variations or versions of the sport 
whatever it may be, can we include this year? You yeah. Know? And that's what it needs to be going forward. Absolutely. And that ties into my to my last question. And yes, Stu, again, where where do you see where do you see wheelchair rugby league in, in five, ten years time? Where where do you see it progressing to? Yeah, well, I like to think that in like five five years' time, at least, um, you know, there's a level of semi-professionalism in the sport um, for for players. Um, you know, one of the biggest things is is that for for ourselves in Wales is that we need that um, you know people being able to train more and have more regular training uh, for themselves and things like. One of the biggest differences is France as I understand it, do have, uh, like, I think two full-time players who are, like, basically, you know, constantly training and things, and some of their clubs also pay them uh, for their, their time as well. Um, and that's the that's the biggest thing, you know, that's going to help us close the gap, and the same with England. Um, but I think in five years' time, I would be shocked if it isn't some sort of level of semi-professionalism um, and more TV exposure. And then from, from a 10 years' point of view, you know, full-time, full-time professionals and actual, uh, you know, proper exposure on a weekly basis with, like, the likes of, uh, you know, the BBC or Sky Sports or whoever, you know, taking it on Channel 4 maybe. You know, they've already got the, the TV rights for running rugby, so. Amazing. And and, and for you, Chris? Yeah, uh, PDRL, uh, we absolutely believe, I believe every Super League team will have a team in five years. Probably sooner. Yeah. Um, I believe. I, I then think we should also be at home and away. You know, like like you play. I don't, yeah. I'm I'm not a lover of the festival format. Sometimes it might take you ten minutes to get into a game, and it could be halfway done by then, and um, yeah. it's tough. So, um, yeah, the home and away, then potentially a, a first league and a second league, and like you say, like like us in Leeds. I know that Warrington are doing really well, and they've fielded. A side, B side as well. Um, they it takes more clubs to do that, and you'll then all of a sudden you'll get a first league and then a reserve league, and um, and I think at the moment we don't adhere to the same rules as the international. So in terms of you have to field X amount of Bs and X amount of Cs and X amount of As, uh, but to coincide with it, eventually we're going to have to do that. It's just going to have to be the way. Um, but yeah. It's it's exciting, and in ten years' time, I definitely won't be playing. I'll be far too old then, and uh, I'll be hopefully helping coaching or something like that. <laughs> never say never, lad. Never say yeah, never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forty-one no, might be a bit old. Never, never. No. Just put no, some that's... red shorts on, you'll be fine then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the knees that are struggling, not. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, then come do wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. I go around in circles, me mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there's there was there's a guy who played, who played um, uh, for Halifax for many years, and that uh, Andy Ako, and he used to just have a prosthetic, um, really? pushing himself, yeah. And then there's also um, uh, Sega. I can't remember his na first name from uh, Hull, and he he doesn't have um, he just has a, a you know his short limb there. Yeah. From his uh, on his humerus, and he he actually has a slight adaptation where he can actually take the foot plate off and he can just basically run and stuff like that, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So there is there is there's always a ways and a means. Yeah, there is. You know? Yeah, yeah. That, that, and that's the beauty of this. This is the the beauty of these exactly. variants is that yeah. they give people the opportunity to 
to be in the sport without really feeling like there's anything majorly different because there isn't like yeah, it, yeah. it literally is the game it's just in a slightly slightly alternate or parallel way I feel like yeah so rugby never stops eh no yeah. it doesn't no I, I, Stuart, you summed it up perfectly and I, I just want to thank you both for kind of sharing your passions for uh, PD, uh, PDRL and uh, Wheelchair Rugby League as well and it, it's it's amazing to see you both doing so well and it's exciting to see how far it's come in a short space of time and and where it's going to go um I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see see where it goes and see where it leads but um thank you so much both for for joining me on the show and uh you know everyone at disability sport wales is is excited to see where it goes and, and i wish you all the luck for for the future and uh thanks for joining me thanks for thank having you. us Make sure you get involved, everyone. Yeah, exactly that. Thanks, everyone. And uh, thanks to all the listeners on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Podbean. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And I'll see you on the next Disability Sport Wheels podcast. You're listening to the DSW Podcast with James Ledger.